just cause I love my podcast. Working fans. I shed blood for my podcast. Ra-da-da. Let a podcast holler where my podcast. The pussy at. All I want to hear is right here, my podcast. Somebody say something about a podcast. You won't take this from me, baby. You will not take this from me, baby. Fans, welcome to the Working Fans Podcast presents, aka Slippery Joe's Funhouse, where we bring you a bonus podcast each week presenting your favorite podcast's favorite stuff. Now, we have some Tape Trader's Guide to the 90s coming up. We have some Cult in Connecticut. We'll be bringing you some Peter X. Murawski and a variety of other things through year two. Guys, I want to take a second to tell you about All Everything Entertainment. They are your home for the latest breaking news and opinions about sports, wrestling, and entertainment. From jock to geek and everyone in between, they will definitely have something for you. As I'm recording this, they have 10 live weekly podcasts that can be watched daily on Facebook, YouTube, or alleverythingentertainment.com. The replays are available on their Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, or iTunes channels. Their shows run the gamut as they talk about the NFL, NBA, NHL, football, movies, bi-weekly top 10 countdowns, paranormal activity, wrestling, WWE, AEW, NJPW, UFC, Bellator, and so much more. These guys, they're just like you. They're passionate individuals who love a variety of subjects, and that's why they started this company in May of 2019, to kind of be a one-stop shop for entertainment. On September 11th, 2020, they made arguably their biggest signing by agreeing to terms with yours truly, the Working Fans Podcast. I was out of work sick, and I was happy to join them as a part of their team you can find them on soundcloud facebook twitter instagram and youtube by searching all everything entertainment or go to all everything for their full schedule and a full list of their shows if you like us you will 100 percent like them thank you we want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show 482 designs that is F-O-U-R, the number is 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality t-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, like, the vibes of washer and dryer, they look good, and they're good quality. Nice, and those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Well, this is Diamond Green, the Bone Collector, and you guys are listening to the Working Fans Podcast. 
All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today we got a guy who's been successful at a couple things. He is a BJJ purple belt. He's been in the Pan Am Games, and he was also trained by Johnny Wrestling. And he's part of MLW's Team Filthy right now. The one, the only, Dominic Garini. Dominic, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Oh, not doing bad, sir. Not doing bad. Thank you. You know, I was curious. You know, usually we kind of start off like the beginning with wrestling, but you had such an extensive BJJ background. How did you get into BJJ? So, to get to something I got into, I, I wrestled two years in high school. I was not a good wrestler in high school. I was pretty, pretty bad. One loss record, not very good. But I decided to stick around my old high school and help coach my coach, Brian Dahl, for a former Olympian. And he had a lot of good connections for us and I got to hang out with Henry Sikingo before uh, for the UFC fights, who is now retired, but he was the double champion in the UFC, he had done 25, 165 pounds. And my dad's coach, I really wasn't doing much because I was going to college at the time. So I've been thinking about doing BJJ, and I, you know, for whatever reason, I got brought up when I was talking to Henry, and he told he kind of encouraged me to do it. So from there, I decided to kind of jump in the BJJ head on. When I first did it, it was mainly to, it was mainly to fight MMA. But about, I would say, a year in, I found competitive jiu-jitsu tournaments and whatnot, and it kind of shifted my focus from wanting to get a mid fighter into going to be a jiu-jitsu world champion for the most part. And that was kind of like my starting jiu-jitsu at that point. Henry Cejudo, that's an interesting name. Yeah, he's uh, you gave all the credentials right there for the people who don't know. Two weight class champion, UFC, gold medals Olympian. Do you think he could make the transition to pro wrestling? you think that's on his radar at all? I do think it's on his radar because he actually had a WWE trap before he decided to go on MMA. He was a guy that the WWE kind of had really courted. And there's always this rumor that Vince McMahon is one of his mighty mouse character for right. like... 40 years, and one of the guys that they had really thought to peg you know, a guy like this, that and that character was Cejudo. So I think that, you know, you see him on AEW, and currently he has retired from the UFC. So I think he's a guy that has been so successful at everything he does that more than anything, I think Cejudo, once he gets so successful, stuff just gets bored with it. So I think he's bored with him at this point, so I could definitely see him trying to pro wrestling back. Now you make the transition from BJJ to pro wrestling. I see that Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae helped train you. How did that go? Were there other people involved? What was your training like for the pro wrestling side? So when I decided to make the transition over from BJJ to pro wrestling, I had kind of learned during my time in jiu-jitsu to take your time, like, to really find what you feel is the best and train those people. I, you know, searched school in my area and really came down to a no-brainer to go train with Johnny and Candace and also train with Absolute Intense Wrestling, who's probably the top independent wrestling promotion in Ohio. So, you know, Johnny has a background and speaks for herself and so does Candace. So from there, you know, I started training and then, you know, at training then I ended up meeting AW promoters, Chris Ryan, a.k.a. Chandler Biggin, and John Thorne. And those of you there are two guys that were really essential in my training. Like, Johnny and Candace definitely did everything in rings, but, you know, John and Chandler really, really, you know, do such a great job of teaching me and the other kids, you know, the business side of pro wrestling, you know, finding bookings, getting yourself booked, how to really set yourself to promotion, character work, all that stuff. They were so key and essential in that. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention them. And then throughout my journey, I've, I've, you know, I've kind of got many people I can say like secondary trainers or people who really helped me out a lot. Hot Sauce Chris Williams is a guy that helped me out immensely. We kind of bonded right off the rip when I met him at AIW, and he kind of took him under his wing, and we had a, we had a number of matches, and he's always a guy that I've, I've looked to for advice. And then over the last, you know, year and a half, Eric Stevens has been a very big help to me, and you know, it's full circle, and now we're teammates in MLW, but, you know, Eric was a guy that I watched growing up, Ring of Honor. 
So for him to come back last year and us to create the relationship we did, it's been, it's been really awesome. Now, my producer Joe was telling me, like, he really liked the way, and it's not a shot at Evolve, but he really liked the way you were brought out in MLW. And I was thinking about this before I asked you about this. I want to ask you, like, Court seems to really, at least as a fan, it seems like he really loves the MMA and combat sports as well. Do you think the way Court presents you, given the fact that, you know, it seems like he's a fan of that stuff, that he's able to present you and have a better mindset about your character and who you are? A little bit. He, each post, he's who got me into when I was in Evolve, you know, obviously I had a, I had a much different bringing to Evolve as, you know, the Stokely Hansel bodyguard character and then kind of transitioned into, like, this fighter-type character. You know, I would never say anything bad about Gabe. Gabe's, you know, been being promoting now for 20-plus years. ECW, Ring of Honor, Evolve, Dragon Media, USA, all the great stuff that he's done. And, you know, he's, he, for the most part, Gabe is really a big revolutionary force in the, in the grappling aspect of American independent wrestling. Pushing guys like Amy Richards, pushing guys like Kyle O'Reilly, really pushing that and that early ball style too. So I don't know if it was just that he didn't necessarily get what he wanted out of me, but also I think at the time with Matt Riddle coming on so strong and evolved, it was probably rough to try to present almost two similar characters if they weren't in like a team together per se. Whereas when I came in MLW, I got the chance to work with not only Court who's a massive, you know, martial arts fan, and mixed martial arts fan for that matter. You know, Court and I, we, we have a lot of sidebars just about MMA history and stuff. Yeah. And he's actually, and actually, I think he said his neighbors at Campbell McLaren started the initial UFC. So, you know, Court's always had a really big thing for mixed martial arts. So he can definitely see kind of all the areas of it. And, you know, he sees me as, like, that jiu-jitsu player. And, you know, he brought up the fact of wearing the key to me. And I'm, like, 50, like, I, I love the idea of promoting you out there. It makes some stuff difficult for me, but, you know, I mean, I'm more than willing to do whatever the company wants me to do. But also, you know, the D does give me a different presentation to everybody else, and we'll see. Because at some point, you know, the E will have to go, but, you know, we're definitely not at that point yet. So, but overall, Court, I think, has such a good real handle on the distinct fighting styles that we're trying to push in MLW. And I think that also not only goes to court, but it also goes a lot to Wilkie, who helps out from behind the scenes. And, you know, Wilkie's very interactive in the terms of, you know, really wanting to settle out all these fighting styles that are at MLW. As well, George Carroll, who is a backstage guy at MLW, who, you know, is like New Japan for a number of years. Ronda for a number of years and really is kind of the driving force behind Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. He's been a massive help to me as well. That's really cool. You know, a lot of people in my uh, friend group were big MMA and pro wrestling fans. In fact, one of the guys, Scott, he was telling me, and for fans who don't know this, after uh, Mighty Mouse pulled off the mouse trap against Ray Borg, which is like a suplex into an armbar, essentially. When they're coming down, you pull them in the armbar. He saw you do that on an independent show. And I was curious, do you get ideas sometimes? Like, you you know, you see things, whether it's MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, go, okay, I want to try to incorporate that in my game. Obviously, you are doing that, but do you, like, you, are you still on the lookout for stuff like that sometimes? Yeah, I'm... I'm- I mean, I'm 100% always on the lookout for stuff like that. Obviously, you know, I call it the Mighty Mouse, you know, as like an homage to Demetrius Johnson. But when I came up with that and I, I did use that move, that was really from Gabe asking me for a kind of a new finish, a kind of like a cool finish. And that was the first thing I came from. So yeah, if I see anything really cool, like an MMA type fight, I really, I really try to incorporate it, especially from the grappling side. You know, I'm always watching the ADCC and, and GCIs to see what can I take from, you know, the grappling aspect and bring it in. And really just try to find, you know, anything that makes me different, you know. 
I would I would argue to many people that I'm definitely not the most polished professional wrestler. But what makes me different, what makes me unique, is just that I'm not a polished professional wrestler. I have that little bit of edge, the edge that looks like I'm a fighter, that looks like maybe he doesn't know what he's doing, but that's because. If he messes this up, he's just going to grab a woman and he's going to snap it off. Absolutely. I think there's something to that. I mean, as a wrestling fan, I've been a wrestling fan for like 40-something years, and I would say I've really begun to enjoy the wrestlers who maybe aren't as polished sometimes. I like it to be a little clunky. You know, like, it looks... I, I want to suspend disbelief. I like that when it's not too smooth, I guess. For sure. Do you study, whether it was for BJJ or whether pro wrestling... You know, obviously for different reasons, but do you ever study tapes? Do you ever look back at old footage? Is that part of the process? I'm much less of a watch my own tape kind of guy. I'm like an awkward perfectionist that really can never enjoy what I do. That is probably instilled in me from Gargano. So in Johnny's 20 plus, or in Johnny's, you know, 10 plus year career, however long it's been, you know, when I was training with him, he only told me out of his whole career and piped out the matches. They only had three that he liked. And the one that he always bring up to me was him versus Shingo Takagi from 2013 WrestleMania weekend, and it was a phenomenal match. But I, for a while, I was very similar, man. Like, if I went back and watched my matches, I just dissect them to pick up every even little bit that I don't like to do. So for me, the better tape stage for me is to going back and finding stuff, um, either for an opponent that I'm going to work upcoming, or, you know, from the past, like, I'm really into watching old shoot style stuff, either VFI, Pro Wrestling Store, you me, things like that to try to take stuff like that and bring it into the pro wrestling game here in 2020 and, and you just see where we can go from there. And, you know, when I do my tag team stuff with Kevin Coo, usually him and I watch our matches, kind of figure out what we can do, where we can finish ourselves better, things like that. I heard that Bloodsport was coming back. I saw a tweet the other day. You had been a part of that before, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. Any interest in trying to get on that show? Or Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to be a part of it again. You know, obviously my last Bloodsport performance wasn't my favorite match ever. I detailed that, you know, out in the public, uh, Phil Barney was not the easiest guy to work with. Well, mm. he was a nice guy, he's not the easiest human being to work with. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I had discussions about being on the sport when on the campus WrestleMania weekend, so I got to revisit and, you know, kind of ask some other people to hopefully maybe, you know, get on this one. But, you know, if I don't, you know, carry on pro wrestling based out of Jeffersonville, Indiana, has been a really kind of driving force in the bringing shoot style wrestling back. We did last November, we did a full tournament of UWFI style rules and they and they're now running UWFI style rules for almost every show. So um, I've kind of become the ace of that stuff for them and they're doing a really good kind of shoot style revolution on that stuff. So besides sports sports, they're going to be part of WrestleMania or they're going to be part of the weekend. So I'll be with them on that. So I will definitely, I will be doing a UWFI rules style match, you know, for PPW during collective weekend. Awesome, awesome. I had Kid Cash on the show once, and we were talking about his background. He did some boxing and some martial arts. And we were saying that we really feel like, for whatever reason, a lot of the hardcore MMA community, they don't really seem to respect the wrestlers for their toughness. Do you think it's because of the entertainment factor? Do you find that to be the case? Or what do you think about that? I think it's because the word fake gets thrown around in wrestling. More than anything, people, you know, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake. The only thing fake about wrestling, and this is what I tell people when I tell them I'm a wrestler, the only thing fake about it is that, you know, you know, like with me, you know, the doing. I would challenge any human being to go out and take a bump in the wrestling. I tell you, that's fake. You know, the air from 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 the
we know our relationship with, you know, sort of over time. And realistically, I kind of tell everybody that, you know, and you know, by me, I suggest by not having a conversation at the, at his first place, but he had that, you know, realistically, the best fighters at their core are pro rock players and they from the boat side in the way that, you know, they trash talk a opponent and they get some paper deal. You know, you see that kind of greater. He's just a pro wrestler. You see Jorge Mondo. That guy's just a pro wrestler. Like, they're just pro wrestlers who don't do our art. They just do the MMA thing. So, and it's funny because you find some of the hardcore MMA fans that hate that like Conor Baker and they hate that like Jorge Mondo. I think it's because they make I am agreeing with everything you're saying. In fact, I always think like Ric Flair used to make a comment about the guys that can work and the guys that can be most successful. And I think in MMA it's almost the same thing. Obviously it's it's fighting, but the guys that can fight and have a great finishes and be flashy and talk. They're gonna get attention, they're gonna get the money as we see it. Fan of those guys? Have they just had John a few times, or is it a 
Yeah, man. So, Chandler was a big component to me before his passing about you know, how cool he was. And um, he got one of my dances on the map. Like, I love life and history. I love looking into it. And the first time, the first thing part of, like, the first and two shows I listened to, like, they did a fight on the ball for all four and three from shirt out. And it was so good, and I was so intrigued that I started going back and finding all those shows. And through that, then, um, I started to kind of reach out to Brick and David, and then I just became really tight, and I talked to Brick's once every other month or so, just about random stuff throughout the landscape, and Chris is one of the coolest guys I've ever talked to, so thank all those guys, you know, it's really... like Mauro Renaro uh, is possibly parting ways with WWE and I thought man how cool would it be to have his voice you know given all his boxing MMA experience pro wrestling experience like an MLW I, I hope if he ends up leaving I think he'd be a great fit with you guys They're coming back in the fall. They're working on locations, I understand. Anything <laughs> anything you can tell us about that? Well, we did. We did We are going to do the shootings here. I believe in October, they just reached out to us. I don't want to put out any other information, but I know that you should be back hopefully in mid-October is our hope. That's so great to hear. We're big fans of MLW. Yo, is there a, you know, we'll wrap this up. Is there anything else you want to promote or talk about right now and where people can find you? Yeah, for social media, you guys can find me at E3DC, that's on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I do have one shirt available through the MLW shop. There's also a Team Focus shirt available through the MLW shop, so check those out. And then uh, my merchandise itself is available at E3.BigCartel.com. So, if you guys 
Awesome. Dom, thank you so much for taking time out to talk. I appreciate it. You're a cool guy. I'm a super big fan of MMA and pro wrestling. So I've been trying to get some MMA stuff on this pod for a while. So thanks for uh, coming in and uh, giving me some of that, man. I appreciate it. (laughs) Support for the Working Fans Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They have just launched in the UK. They have gone years over there without using the right tools for the job. And now, if you live in the UK, you can be one of the first people to experience their life-changing products. AJ, you were telling me about their products earlier. Give us a rundown of a few things they offer. Let me tell you something. As a former professional wrestler, I know a thing or two about wrestling with ancient technology. Having to get ready in the 1990s and the early 2000s for a wrestling match and having to take care of your favorite tag team partners down there below the belt wasn't easy. You'd use an old straight razor or you'd try to use those old-fashioned clippers. And all you do is you you cause your tag team partners to get color. We're not trying to do that, folks. We're trying to take care of them and preserve them. Now, with the modern technology brought to you by Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, you get a ceramic blade that keeps your buddies down there south of the border safe and in shape and ready to go all night long. And why don't you tell us about some of the features and some of the stuff that they have, like Joe asked you. Guys, not only do they have your favorite technology for the trimming, Mm. but they have stuff like the crop preserver. They've got things that will make your balls so gentle and sweet and with tonic that even an old married guy like me might actually have a chance to get them touched. Maybe that's a ball wipe, too. When you're wielding those balls out in the free world, you don't want to have them be like mini cacti, do you? Just slapping them in the face. That Mm -mm. that doesn't work. Nah, man. Before, I made a few accidents myself. Looked like somebody just crushed up a bunch of ketchup packets down there. It was awful. I thought I had to go to the hospital. But thankfully, I made it out all right. My wife's favorite thing. My wife's favorite thing that they have is they actually have disposable mats that you can stand on while you're doing it which keeps you from leaving all your business all over the bathroom floor. That's a big thing when it comes to cleaning up. Got some cool t-shirts, too. Guys, the Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and it's just released in the UK, the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Fuck the 2.0. They upgraded it, and the Lawnmower 3.0 is a third-generation trimmer which features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Because this is one place where red doesn't equal green. When I say this thing is premium, I'm not fucking around. This thing is premium. It has up to 90 minutes. You can get a longer shave. And frankly, if you're shaving for 90 minutes, God bless you. It's also constructed with a waterproof technology that allows you to shave in the shower. Mm. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Why go that fast? You can even now do your trimming when the lights have gone down low and you can do it with that nice LED light. 
I'm telling you, it's like having a spotlight down there to protect you. Now, I do arguably my best work in the dark, but mm. even though it contains all of the above-mentioned features, don't forget about the charging stand. Display it in your bathroom. Let people know you're shaving your nuts. It's an intelligently designed stand that is a convenient charging stand powered by USB. Now, if you're listening to us talk about dick shaving right now, we want you to experience all of this firsthand for yourself. Let's clean you up from bush to tush and beyond. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off your order and free shipping with the code WFP2020. Remember, code WFP, Work of Fans Podcast, baby. 2020 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your bronze beauty, Black Fatal, very to you, and you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast. This is the man they call Dave, and today we got one of the biggest stars on the independent scene, literally and figuratively. Some call him the Carmel Colossus, Mr. Barrington Hughes. Barrington, how are you today, sir? What's going on, my man? Not too much, not too much. You know, one of the first things I want to ask you, I dove into this recently with Danny Moff, and the way I went about it is, when I was growing up a wrestling fan, I was into, like, Jimmy Snuka, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, and then I graduated, I got into, like, Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, and I'm wondering, like, how was your fandom in wrestling? Like, who were some of the guys you liked when you were younger? As you got older, and now that you're in the business. When I broke in, I was a huge Razor Ramon fan. When I was when I first broke in, being a fan, yeah. loved Razor Ramon, loved One Two Three Kid. I was uh, a big Ron Simmons fan too. I watched a little bit of WCW early on. Baker, yeah. so many others. And then as after I started training and really started opening up the tape library, oh, and I forgot about the Great Sasuke. I discovered Great Sasuke high school through old tape trading. Oh, okay. So, Shot the great task get well. So when I became, you know, when I became more active and I started, you know, I, you know, I started looking around, for, started watching a lot of different guys. That um, one that break, that comes up to my mind is uh, Gary Albright, who doesn't really get enough credit as being a legit fucking monster. Mm. French, but he's one of the biggest baddest mofos that just doesn't get enough love. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've come into. I've recently started discovering Gary Albright, actually. Someone hooked me up to that, and uh, you ain't lying. Very physical. That all Japan style, too. Like, I've been learning about that recently. Oh, my God. <laughs> Big time. Big um, time, bro. You said Ron Simmons. So, were you watching, like, for me, Simmons, I mean, I followed his career, like, for a while in Doom, but, like, when he won WCW Heavyweight Championship, and I think Bill Watts was, like, promoting at the time, they had this TV uh-huh. tape in, and, like, he won it, like, in this lottery, and it was, like, some of the best... TV, I remember watching at the time. I think, like, Dusty Rhodes was on that TV episode, too, and it was, like, uh-huh. tremendous. Do you, is that what you remember, too, like, growing up? For sure. Yeah. It, was, it was so unexpected. Nobody thought. They knew it was going to be a good match, but nobody thought that Simmons had, a, you know, a bad chance of a title. And then one snap power slam later and yeah. count the lights, you're like, yo, this really did happen. Mm-hmm. You see that crowd and the way they, the way they erupted yeah. in reaction to it. It was a genuine feel-good moment, you know? 100%. That's what I still remember is that crowd. They're just jumping up and down. So how did you break into the business? Who helped you and who trained you and got you started? Okay, so basically a family, very good, good, uh, somebody that's very close to me helped me find the school and started training in December 
December of 2010, I started training under Rusty Brooks and Flex Magnum, who was local to South Florida at the time, and he was honest with me. He's like, look, if you want to take this seriously, you will. I will. I'm more than willing to train you, but it's up to you to do the work after that. And again, some tips went into on you know, how to negotiate the business a little bit, you know, how to navigate with promoters and things and what to expect. And, you know, I trained for nine months. I started off as a manager. Then I shortly, you know, I broke off shortly thereafter and just been going ever since. I was noticing your nicknames. You had like the Carmel Colossus, the Carmel mm-hmm. Kodiak, and mm-hmm. Mills favorite wrestler which I loved I was wondering like how does that come about like the nickname process did you have a say in that or is it promoters like here try this out or how's that come the only one that a promoter gave me was Colossus, and that was when I got to LW I wanted to go back but they you know they were really adamant on lots of things to kind of pull, you know pull up my thighs and it's like okay I guess but um everything else has always been you know my greater process and always trying to be a little different because everybody can be amazing and spectacular. If you're just, you know, use a lot of description type words uh, when they're doing themselves. And it's like, you know, let's be a little bit, I always thought to myself, I can be a little bit more creative than that. And one of my favorite practices has always been Method Man. And if you know Method Man, you've always had 20 plus nicknames. So I kind of looked at that and was like, well, let me play around with a few of these and see what I came up with. And then remembering the old Oreo ad uh, from back in the day, Milk's Favorite Cookie, I was like, huh. So I, you know, tooled around with it a couple of times, and that's how we came up with Milk's Favorite Cookie. I like it. I like it. You know, it's funny you said like have a bunch of nicknames like that because when I started getting back into like independent wrestling, like I'll say 2015, one of the first uh, shows I went to, David Starr was there and had like 10, 12 different nicknames and that hooked me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's different, you know? Right. I've actually done introductions where they have to have, I give them a list of like three or four different monikers so by the time I get in the ring, I can hit my toes and it's hilarious. But I've kind of from that since then. I'm kind of going through a reinvention right now. Now, you were, if I'm right in my research here, you studied graphic design. Uh, mm-hmm. Has that helped you out in wrestling, whether promotion, T-shirts, posters, or anything? Oh, for sure. Um, when I first broke in, before I even became an active wrestler, I was, you know, I would design costumes and stuff. I would do a lot of gear work for uh, local guys and, and you know, kind of bringing some unique styles in. Um, from all the way from my local independence all the way up to the Um I did a lot of uh, video grind stuff during the other one back in the day. I've done stuff for TJ Perkins. I've done stuff for you know, quite a few notable, notable guys. And it's always been a passion of mine. I was always uh, an artistic kid growing up. I mean, I just love doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have uh, a lot of irons in the fire, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. One other thing I noticed about, like, I just I couldn't confirm, but are you into powerlifting as well? Somewhat. I'm super amateur powerlifter. I've never competed, unfortunately. I do want to eventually, uh, once my health allows, we'll get back into it and, and really give it a shot. But I train like a powerlifter. You know, my, my tag team partner, he's done it in the past. So he kicks my butt every time we go to the gym. But I love it. I love the aspect of just the raw strength. Yeah. Now, you're talking about health. What are some of maybe the worst injuries you've suffered in the ring uh, so far? In ring? I've been lucky enough, knock on wood. Oh, okay. You know, to not suffer any in ring injuries, but recently um, I actually had a health care where I had some lung issues due to some, some bad habits. Nothing drug related, thankfully. 
for it to be some time to, you know, recover and, and get back. And now, you know, I'm getting a whole lot better. Mm. I was in the hospital about two months, um, and I was in a coma for almost two weeks at the beginning of the year. Wow, so okay, so well, you're happy to be here right now then. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Are you still with MLW at this moment? Uh, no, I actually requested my release back in December, which was granted at the end of the year. Okay, so looking to do some more stuff independently when things get back to normal maybe and health is good for you. Absolutely. Okay, so yeah, speaking of like that, so like one of the things like a uh, big topic I'd say today right now is like a lot of the real world issues that are taking over they're more important probably than wrestling. We are in a crazy time. Like, I was listening to this article today. It's like, we have basically, like, the race riots from the 60s. We have a plague. And we have elements of, like, the depression with a lot of people out of work right now. Um, oh, yeah. How has some of this stuff affected you negatively or, you know, trying to stay positive? Like, what's some stuff going on with you right now because of this? I mean, of course it affects you negatively. Um... Thankfully, my my family is we're we're maintaining fairly well given the circumstances. I'm out of the hospital, and I got out of the hospital right before the the, the COVID scare got really bad. Um, so that was really perfect timing on that. Um, and then from there, you know, I've just been doing my thing with my family, making sure they're good. And um, just recently, in the past week, I want to say, I've just kind of taken it upon myself, me and several other. Um, of all walks of life, not just black wrestlers, but this really started saying, you know what, we're going to start cleaning the business. You know, we're going to start cleaning the stuff, cleaning up the good old boys, the races, mm-hmm. the, the negative, and really make it a better space for everyone involved. So, that's basically keeping up a lot of my time. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's something we should all be working on, just in general in our life, to like be better people and try to listen more and work with other people to make sure we're all, we should all be loving a little more, basically, you know? We, we should. Unfortunately, not everybody sees it that way, and that's the problem. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it's amazing. Like, I'm a white guy, but my mom's Puerto Rican. We grew up, though, like in an African-American community when I was younger. My father, we were in... Race was never an issue, is my point, like, in my family. So I didn't really think about this stuff, and I would hear things when I was a kid. And I, even as a kid, I was like, well, oh, that's off. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, no, stay away from those people. But I thought we had kind of gotten beyond that a little bit over the last few years because a lot of younger people I know are, like, totally not about that at all. Like, just the complete opposite. Like, they're about welcoming everybody. But but like then you see these things happening now. It's like, geez, we're really we really have to deal with this twenty twenty and we have all this other shit going on and it's just like it blows my mind. It's frustrating. It's really frustrating because you think that we you know, we as a people have gotten past this and grown from it and gotten better, but because so many people are not willing to tackle the issue head on and say, you know what, this is really a problem. This needs to be addressed. Everybody's like, ah, you know, it's it's not that bad, or we have other things to worry about. It's always it always gets moved on the docket mm-hmm. to where it never. So now we've come to this point in 2020 where it's still a problem. It's still prevalent, and then because of things that are coming from the top that help ignite that that negative rhetoric, yeah. now you have people kind of going at each other for no reason outside of the color of their skin, which is really fucked up. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you're right. Like, I don't want to get too political, but I feel like there's certain things that have set us back, if anything, too. And it's like, you know, we got we to gotta play catch-up here big time. 
Is that part of this? I don't know this. I don't know if it's connected, but I saw on your uh, Facebook hashtag NAFAM. Is that part of this, or what is that? No, NAFAM is just me. Okay. NAFAM is just yeah. That's my thing. Now the other hashtag. I don't know if you've been checking the last few days. The ones that really I started a hashtag call out a racist. Okay. There's also another call out racist that I'm kind of including because it's more expensive and. A lot of guys that unfortunately have been called out in the past few days, it's been it's it's been really bad. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not name names. If you go down the list, you'll see them um, everywhere from local promoters to guys that have been all the way to the top. You know, and it's like it sucks because a lot of these people we watch on TV and we admire it and we like them, we support them, or we bought them work, and then you see how they you know, how they think and they feel about it, and it breaks your heart. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely been eye-opening, to say the least. Just the amount of hate that's out there. Even, like, I've heard, like, on the flip side of that, like, people that are generally outraged and should be. But, like, I heard some guy say his solution was, well, we need to genocide these racists and these horrible people. And I'm like, well, genocide doesn't seem like where we should be going with anything right now. Like, maybe we all need to love and try to figure out how to handle this. But at the same time... Man, I get where the anger's coming from because, like I said, like I start seeing this stuff now, and and I'm getting older too. But I don't know everything I see on this stuff like just makes me so angry. It's like, oh, yeah. Here's the thing, man. It's it's a generation of people that are not willing to listen to the voice of reason. You have young people that want to be progressive and want to do things different, but we're not coming together to say, okay, let's move each other out. Why do we feel? And how can we get past it and move forward? That's the problem. There's so many things that need to be done, but nobody knows where to start. I mean, tough to segue, but we'll go back to wrestling a little bit here. You know, talking, you're a very passionate guy, I can see that. What about the art of a promo? Like, how, is a promo something that was always, was it challenging for you? Was it something you felt you excelled at? Where do you put that in, like, the terms of the wrestling game? Promos, listen, man, if you can cut it, and this, this is prevalent today. If you can cut a good promo, your skills don't have to be, and it's not saying that, you don't, that you're not supposed to train, that you shouldn't have your skills at the park. But certain things that you may lack in the athleticism department, you can more than make up for in promo, being able to tell a story with your body, with your words, with your mind, being able to tell people in and make them feel what you feel, or make them or manipulate those emotions. That is a fucking good promo to be. Now, I was that very early on by, you know, a former tech partner, still a good friend of mine, Ben Melton. He really taught me the, the nuances of bubbles and having, you know, my mentors that I have now and Low T and MVP and Jay Horn. There's a lot of guys that helped me over the years really understand the importance of the promo. And they say, you should be able to get your point across. So what I wanted to start doing with the guys that I mentor and the guys and girls that I talk to because not your guy, guys and girls that I mentor, I tell them all the time, stop cutting wrestling promos. And it's going to sound weird as hell when I say this. Don't do wrestling. You know, watch acting monologues. Watch stuff that you see where somebody's trying to get you to feel something or relate to something. And then apply that to wrestling. Because that way, it doesn't come off as, well, I'm going to be here at this place at this time and I'm going to face this person and this is going to happen. You see how redundant that can be after a while. We've done that for 30 years. Right. And if you go past that basic promo, then, brother, you're not going to move up that card. But you get somebody like me that can pull in some emotion and make you think about them, whether it's laugh, cry, get you mad. And I, I have more value to a promoter. I have more value to myself above anything. 
Hundred percent. One of the things I liked about uh, the NWA Power promotion is that they would get guys in the studio and they would cut promos off the mic and like guys like I'll just throw like Tim Storm and stuff out there. You can tell it's like, oh, that guy is who he is. Like that's a legitimate, you know, not too far from what he is. Mm-hmm. For sure, and that's what it's about, man. Like I've, I've had the opportunity to work with with Tim Storm, and he's a great dude. Like I'm still, you know, especially for a day, he can go. Yeah, he can go. You know, he's not. Super driving off the top rope, but he can brawl and he can go step by step when need be. But he has that emotion. He's having love for the business. He feels that every time he talks to that mic. Same thing with Nick Aldis. He, he believes he is the best thing smoking in professional wrestling. And if any person cutting a promo doesn't believe that or you don't feel that you're the best thing that's you know, the right, right? Why do it? Don't waste your time. Don't waste your own time. Yeah. Like, one thing as a fan, I would say that, um, like, we'll take Aldis for a second. One thing I like about him is his persona, his character, and the way he uh, articulates everything, and even down to his in-ring work and the way he brings it all together, it feels like a big fight feel. It doesn't feel like I'm watching a pro wrestling match. It feels like I'm watching a heavyweight championship boxing match or an MMA fight for the title. Exactly. That's what we have to bring back into wrestling, that big fight feel. Mm. Every bout or should feel like, oh, man, I can't wait Do you have a preference, and what are some of the challenges of both? I've always liked working steel. It's always been fun to me because I like to be able to cuss people out <laughs> with no consequence. It's easier for me to get people to hate me than to like me. But for some reason, the past years, fans love me. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> you know, I started off as a heel manager when I came in. Didn't really cut the breast promo because those have gotten better over the years, but time whether it's myself or with my tag partner in Tragic City, we always try to, you know, put our best foot forward when there's acting or people. You know, if we're gonna be baby faces we're gonna have that problem behind us, we're gonna be raucous, we're gonna be the party starters, not necessarily dancing and singing because that's not what we do anymore, but we're gonna get that crowd behind us and then we're hey, we're we're coming to do work. We're coming to bring war. You know what I mean? And then the same thing as heels, if they're like, here we go. It's gonna be another funeral. You know, it's, it's that kind of feel that we try to bring, depending on each side of the point. When you're performing, and I've heard this slogan, I think we kind of alluded to it earlier too, like, you know, coming from the heart. Like, there's a saying, you don't want to play wrestler, you want to be the guy. Would that be the equivalent, like, like when you're getting ready to go out there, do you have to almost like flip a switch? Is it kind of like a thing, like, you know, like, okay, you got to psych yourself up and get a zone before you go out to the ring? Absolutely. For me personally, I, at least 30 to 10 minutes before a match, I have to listen to music. I have to listen to certain songs that get me hyped. Not necessarily hype as in like, oh man, I'm hyping off the walls, but it has to get me to the proper mindset of the story I'm about to sell. You know, once I feel that emotion, that feeling, like, oh, now it's going to be work. Now it's time to go out and, and do what we're in the deal. That's right. I like that. Now, not going to keep you too long today. Uh, just tell me, what are some of the goals you have in wrestling still that you want to accomplish or maybe even life goals? 
Um, a few of them actually are once I get medical clearance and return, definitely get back out and, and hit their Indies with a vengeance and put in some serious work. Just really show that Barrington Hughes is more than a one-trick pony that was seen on TV. Um, I feel like I have the handcuffs on a lot of times in MLW, because a lot of people have seen my indie work, they're like, yo, I didn't know you could do all that. I'm like, well, <laughs> so I'm hoping to do that and really branch out, get on the international floor, Germany, Japan, Mexico, England, you know, really start doing the rounds as a big man that you really don't see a lot of big men do. So I really want to open the doors for other big men behind me to know, hey, we can hang with the best Awesome, man. Want to tell people where they can find you, and or do you have anything you want to promote as well? Go for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can find me on Instagram. Um, as I stated, I was going through a character reformation, and officially now, Black Thanos, Barry to use uh, B L A Q U E Thanos, like the character. Black Thanos B H on Instagram. Black Thanos B H on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Barry use the fan page. Not my personal page. I will not add you. <laughs> <laughs> But other than that, and, and if you want to buy a shirt, the Black Dino shirts are coming soon. Check out littermaneuver.net. We have some t-shirts coming soon, so in place. Uh, the Like the Dragon City page, like the Movie Kamal page. Uh, show love, show love the black wrestlers, man. Show love the gay wrestlers. Show love to white wrestlers. Show love to Asian wrestlers. Show love to native wrestlers. Just show love to wrestling. Show love to everybody, man. Love who you love. Damn right. This is the ultimate hybrid wrestler, MLW's Douglas James, and you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. Listen now. Working Fans Podcast with Dave and Joe, and today we have MLW superstar, Mr. Douglas James. Douglas, how are you, friend? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Very good, very good. Excellent. We're big fans of MLW here, man. The yeah. first time I saw you, I think, though, was like PCW Ultra, and I was just kind of curious, like, what got you into wrestling, and what got you kind of started? So, I mean, I've been a wrestling fan you know, since I was a really little kid, and I grew up, you know, loving it. I used to go to, you know, all the events that were, I'm from New Jersey, so I used to go to all the local events, you know, all the laws, and my dad would come out and to get tickets. But I love going to the sports, so I used to play baseball, football, soccer, you know, basketball, ice hockey. I was like, just like, always doing something as a little kid. And then when I was in high school, I played football and I wrestled in high school. And, you know, with that, with wrestling, I did pretty well. And I transitioned into MMA. I always wanted to be a wrestler. I always wanted to be pro wrestling. I guess for me, I just thought I was like, I don't know, too small or didn't really uh, have the guts, really, you know, like to, to make that first step to just do it. And I just uh, went to MMA and... You know, I grew up in like junior jiu-jitsu tournaments, and amateur MMA fights, and pro MMA fights, and I got to meet to California, and I got to the point where, like, you know, um, regional professional MMA is, is very hard, too. You, know, you get paid a lot, you know, things fall through, and I just didn't love it, and I was getting older, and now or never, and I was working on a food truck at the time, and I didn't have much money, and I wanted a $2, uh, $2 scratch-off. I was like $200. And the $200 was the additional payment for Santino. And I found Santino's convenient. And literally, I think I won it like on a Saturday and like on Monday I started. I was kind of like, I literally found Santino's convenient. They kind of like just jumped in and, you know, five months later I made my debut. And that's kind of how I got started. Yeah, I was a sports and big fan and doing my 
Shit like that. Yo, back it up for a second too. Kind of funny you were saying there's not a lot of money on the regional MMA scene. My ex-wife's brother-in-law, Thane okay. Stimson, he did a couple MMA fights. He actually trained out in California with Team Alpha Male. He had like only about four amateur fights though, and then he had kids, and he's okay. like, I can't make this work. But yeah, yeah well, it's funny. You fought MMA. One of the guys he lost to was Rob Font. And Rob Font ended up being in the UFC, and it's like one of the, uh, I want to say he's in the top 15, top 10 bantamweights right now. And I'm like, man, if he only knew the guy he lost to was, like, super successful, I wonder if he would have, like, hung on a little longer, you know? Yeah, man, that's what it is. A lot of it, like, I mean, MMA is a little bit different, but it's pretty similar uh, to wrestling with a lot of his uh, longevity, you know? Mm. Um, put up with the, the, the bullshit or, like, do those hard fights or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, original MMA, I mean, it's like crazy, you have to like sell tickets, and you know, if you don't, if you don't sell enough tickets, you don't get paid, and it's the whole thing. Mm. Not, not, yeah, not into it. <laughs> <laughs> did you train jiu-jitsu with Eddie Bravo? I did. When I first started doing like MMA and all that jiu-jitsu, I started in New York and New Jersey. Well, my fight team out there was the AMA Fight Club, like Jim and Dan Miller was long, and Charlie Brennan from back in the day. And so, yeah, when I moved out to California in like 2012, 13, uh, yeah, I started with Eddie, and Eddie gave me my pony boat, and I used to like compete for Eddie, and I was a very much tense kind of guy, and uh, Eddie's, Eddie's awesome, like, yeah, any kind of, like, negative feedback anybody has towards Eddie, like, doesn't know him, you know, mm-hmm. he's the coolest person ever, and super open-minded, especially for something like just he's very welcoming, and, you know, he just wants to do it to be better, and he's more positivity, and... Yeah, I think Rogan was saying something about that, like, uh, because you know, obviously he's known for his conspiracy theories and stuff too. But yeah, right. But he's he's definitely wild. You know what I mean? But he's a good guy. He's he's not like, and yeah, I mean, I definitely think like his classes used to be like over two hours, and I definitely showed up to a class once, and he was just so high. <laughs> talking for an hour, for like an hour and a half on nine eleven, you know, like I mean, those things happen, but he's he's, he's really cool, man. But yeah, I never said that was one of the things that made him so good at jiu though, because he was so open minded that he was constantly right. learning and trying new things that no one else would do. Yeah, he's like permanently high, you know. So <laughs> That's great. As far as like in the ring, your style is there any particular influences, whether it's MMA or pro wrestling? I would say a little bit of both. I would say a little bit of my style is like almost like a. I would imagine a lot of the you know the guys that are wrestling now have a similar mindset, but a lot of the guys you know I grew up uh, idolizing. I like and I like I like that shooting style, the more uh, you know grappling based or striking, hard striking based, the high intensity athletic contest. So and I was always really big Shawn Michaels fan. Shawn Michaels and Rey Mysterio were my like one and number two as a kid. You know, if I really look up to, like, I mean, a murderer, but, you know, first of all, like, Kurt Angle, look at guys, you know, like, you know, Perry Saturn, like, Eddie Guerrero, those kind of guys, guys are like, uh, Daniel Bryan, you know, so, I really like, yeah, that kind of more of a technical style, but I do have an MMA background, you know, I do have, you know, legit fights and tournaments and training, and so, I was using that background because being different is good, and, you know, just use the best of my abilities, and, I have that ability, so, uh, yeah, so we both, you know, I think that kind of works out for me. You competed in, uh, no-gi tournaments as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I could be, you know, yeah, pretty consistently, like, all the time, and it wasn't, like, the, you know, I competed in, like, world and stuff, and I won, like, the SJJIF 2013 world in Long Beach with the Pyramids, I won that, you know, and I just, I was, I was very much like a, a go-all-in kind of guy, but I love wrestling, and, 
Yeah, I probably think you got so. So the usual ones are too, like, you know, in my, in my last thing, and, yeah, keep it legitimate. Now, you're in MLW. What would you say, you know, you're working on TV, record, record. Is there any particular promotions that maybe prepared you best for this before you got here? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. I would say maybe, like, two different promotions, right? So I would say, uh, one, so, so when I first started, my third match ever was at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. So it was TV. And, you know, wrestling with TV is different than, you know, wrestling in a normal independent show. Whether it's, like, you know, where you are with the cameras and all those kind of, and, like, timing and different things. And it's a tool that not everybody gets um, to learn. And I kind of learned that pretty quickly. With, with, with doing that, you know, with, like, trial and error. I think that has helped me with MLW because I lost with the cameras and being on TV and things like that. But I also think working for companies like PCW Ultra or like Defy, or especially PCW Ultra in my home for almost four years, we were like a big, big promotion, a big, you know, event where like a thousand people, a lot of life, a lot of like moving parts. You know, kind of being a part of that, you don't get lost in how you make an MLW where it's a bigger thing, you know, because of lights and TV and, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, pre and things like that. I think that has uh, allowed me to be more comfortable uh, in that kind of new environment. I uh, ran across something called, I don't know what promotion this was, I don't even know the background, but it was called Douglas James versus Backyard Wrestlers, Backyard Tribute. Oh <laughs> what oh happened boy. there? What was going on there? Oh. Oh, boy. All right. Actually, not many people really know, like, the full story, you know? That's um, why I was interested. Yeah. So here we go. So I guess, yeah, so it kind of went, like, viral, whatever, like, three and a half years ago. A little bit. And then it came back a couple months ago, and then a little bit recently I reposted it, and it got, like, a lot of positive and negative feedback. Well, basically, the story is I was basically booked for a other year in left play, barely a year in, now, maybe not even, and I was booked to do, like, a Royal Rumble. The promoter had told me that, you know, Rumble before, when I was going to be winning this Royal Rumble. And then I get to the show, change of plans, somebody else is going to win, and I was going to, like, be laughing eliminated. So, whatever. The show's supposed to start at 8. Things started a little bit later. Everyone was going long. I think it was, like, becoming like, almost, like, 10.30, and it wasn't even intermission yet. And I remember, like, in East L.A., and it's, like, really shitty warehouse, you know, like not in a good area. And it's like getting late and a lot of good things on the show, like still be a style on the show, you know, getting the limelight. There were like two people on the show. Yeah, just so like, I didn't really, I got this idea because I was supposed to come out like 26th out of 30. And I was like, why don't I come out of five number one? And I laughed to the end because then I was like, Paul Babyface thing. But the mother liked it, but uh, there was only backyarders in the beginning of the rumble. I said, it's fine, it'll, it'll all work out. And then, whatever, so the, the world on the start, I didn't think anything of it. I just knew it was like, I just went in there thinking it was going to all work out. And I would just slowly eliminate these guys because they don't belong there. First thing I did was I dropped him to one of them. No different than anybody else, but he never bumped before. So when he bumped on the mat, he broke his rib. Oh, jeez. So I, when I went to pick him up, he like was like, like you know? Like, and I saw like, you see kind of like the, the funny music that you like, kind of like, let throw somebody over and his hand keeps hurt. And then right when he was hurt, that kind of ruined everything because the idea was I was going to kind of like take a back seat to let them kind of do their thing. And then now, like, you know, the veterans in the back are like, look at the hurt and tell me, like, go after them, you know? Right. And not a bad way. I'm not like, I, if I wanted to hurt them, I would really hurt them. You oh, know? right. I was just trying to, like, 
it's just no more different than I got at wrestling training. You know, we used to get beat down for weeks, you know, like, it's just what it is. And I, I just, like, kicked them a little harder than they should because they weren't doing what they didn't know what they were doing, you know? And, and that's kind of what it is. And it was just like, I was just throwing shoot drops all of a sudden. And it just became, like, this thing. And they didn't belong up there. It was silly. I would never be in a situation again. But I, I would do that again because, you know, the day was you have to just, you know, like, uh, you now need everyone to get popular through viral videos, and that's all well until I understand how it works. But, like, you know, I paid a lot of money to train a wrestler. I got, oh, I, you know, some money getting in shape to be a wrestler, you know, and it's a lot of time. And I hate using the word, it's a lot of sacrifice, and I sacrifice a lot of other things to do this, and it's nobody's choice but my own. But if you're going to come into this, like, there should be some kind of respect to it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of what, what happened, and it was like it was very much like not planned in advance, just just a storm that ends up happening. And. Yeah, I, I should tell you, like I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Like, I'm I'm 43 years old. I've been a fan of wrestling since I was okay. four, and we've interviewed like Al Snow. Oh, yeah, we talk yeah. about people at wrestling schools. So when I saw that, my perspective was, I just felt bad for you. Like clearly, these guys didn't really know what they were doing. So I'm like, <laughs> I never thought you wanted to hurt them or anything. I just thought, like, how did he get stuck in this poor situation? That's why I wanted to ask you. So <laughs> yeah, but I basically put myself in a situation thinking it would like. <laughs> One of those, like, you know when you're, like, really optimistic about something, and you're like, it'll go, it'll go great. It'll be fine. It was like that, sorry. It was like that, and then immediately it was like, oh, no, it's not going to work, you know? Right. It's kind of like, I got this issue, but. So I still kind of deal with a little bit, like, a slack from that, and it's like, I'm not a bad person, I just, it's kind of in the business, you know? <laughs> I wanted to take the interview in a little bit of a different direction, because I read an article... Oh where I heard you talk about getting sober and what it did for your life, as well as yeah. the book Zen and the Art of Happiness. So I was okay. hoping you could tell us about the process to getting sober and then why that book was important to you, because I haven't read it, but just based okay. on what I saw in the article, I got to check it out. But tell us about it. Yeah. I don't know. I guess like a little bit of the rundown was, so, you know, I was in a relationship, I was engaged, and I was wrestling, and I, I wasn't really happy, you know, I kind of, I started wrestling, like, in shape, and all that kind of stuff, and I kind of, like, all of a sudden I started to, you know, use alcohol and weed as a way to, like, cope with my feelings, it wasn't like having a good time, I was doing it to just, like, cope, and it started to come out of control, and basically that's what I realized, like, if I kept doing this, I'm not going to live the life I want up And I'm, I'm really a pretty positive person. You know, we all have our things. I like to laugh and joke at the time. And I, I realized I wasn't, you know, I wasn't me. I wasn't positive. I wasn't really motivated. And I knew that it had to do with me. You know, it wasn't like other people's fault. It was my, I had to figure it out. And I remember I was doing like a steel cage match in San Diego. And I was driving out of the show, and I realized I needed to like, figure my life out like immediately. And I called my parents, and they live in New Jersey. And basically, it was like, I think when you have a problem, the hardest thing to do is admit you have a problem. And I, I admitted that I needed some help, you know? And basically, what I did was I just try to like get out of myself, because a lot of times, no matter what, what your problem is, whether it's like spending too much money or in a great relationship, so I don't know, whatever, I mean, eating too much, I don't know, like, we all have reasons for a lot of these things. So, just trying to figure out myself, and yeah, so, like, I, I read this book, and it was, like, a, almost like a, a bathroom read, you know, like, a hundred and some pages, and it's a little bit of an extreme side to of, of being positive, but basically, like, you know, a lot of 
your life is is your reactions to action. You know, something, something can happen and you can be negative about it and usually a lot of times negative reactions cause negative feelings which cause negative results, you know? Everything's in the positive. If you react positively to something, like a better positive thing might happen and you get positive results. And it's kind of like a story of that. It's like different tales of like reacting positively and what that can lead to but being negative, you know? And sure, there are definitely times you can be negative. It's hard and like, you know, these times right now where everything shut down and, uh, yeah, to me, it's like a little bit of myself and really fixed my life in a way, you know, and then like, it was like a couple months after I got filled, I dislocated my hip and it was crazy. And I like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, blink or anything and I got through it. I came back in like two months and it's it, like reconfirmed to me like the power of positivity. You know, I got very lucky in the injury that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But I think for me, yeah, staying positive is just like the proof is in the pudding, you know? Like, sure, there's definitely ups and downs and the lower coast of the but as long as you kind of uh, stay on the up and up kind of thing, it's good for the daily check-in, you know, not, not perfect. But as long as I'm honest with myself, I'm there. couple more questions. Basically, your experience in MLW. Uh, MLW is great. So for me, it was like a you know, big goal of mine to be able to be there. I try, you know, and then... Being able to be tiny with them, feel like a dream come true, you know. Professional wrestler on national TV, international TV. It's a great experience, you know. Uh, everyone's really great. It's a great team. I, and I really love the product. And I think for somebody like myself that comes from like an MMA background, you know, legitimate grappling background, it's, it's a perfect place for people like, you know, DOT, Dave Voices Jr., Simon Gosh, you know, different people like that. Yeah, Dominic Rini, you know, Thatcher was there, Tom Lawler. It's just, I don't know, it's almost like the perfect place for me. And I'm just looking forward to the future of a lot of things happening. And MLW, things that are constantly growing. And I don't know what necessarily I've learned. I'm learning about myself and how I need to, you know, continuously uh, get better. I mean, my goal at MLW is I want to be like the face of the company. I want to be the Indian face of the company and take it to the right. Normally we'll ask you if you have anything you want to promote. Obviously, we don't know what's going on right in the world right now as far as upcoming shows. Yeah, it's really crazy right now. But honestly, like, if you could, you know, on social media, follow me uh, at Douglas James Pro on Twitter, uh, and Douglas James Pro on Instagram. And then, uh, you know, just, I don't know, find out the high spots and different kind of streams and different YouTube channels and wrestling and just support everybody you can. And uh, I know money's tight for everybody, so... You don't gotta buy my merch, but just, just try to, you know, keep wrestling alive and bring up their problems. Do you have a pro wrestling tease store that people could visit if they want? I don't, but I have a store. It's called uh, Douglas James dot uh, store envy uh, store envy uh, dot com. And it has like uh, over 10 shirts on there, like coffee mugs and hoodies and stuff like awesome. that. So. Oh. Right, yeah, April 18th got canceled, so uh, hopefully they're on in May, and it's just, you know, it's a crazy time, but I think, you know, we're all in it together, you know, yeah, we're, right. all yeah. we're all dealing with this, you know, not like one person, so. <laughs> awesome. Excellent, thank Excellent. you very yeah. much. All right, guys, have a good one. Thanks, you as well, man, thank you. You too. All right. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with Dave and Joe. We've got a special talent on today, the former Gorgon, now known as Logan Creed. He is part of MLW. We're excited to have him on. Logan, how you doing, bud? I'm good, guys. Thank you all for having me on. Uh, no, it was a pleasure, man. Right off the bat, like, how did you get into wrestling? Were you a fan before? What happened? Yeah, I've been a fan, you know, for as long as I can remember. 
started young, watching the NWA, uh, actually with my grandparents. And so that's kind of how I got into it. I remember, you know, watching the old pay-per-views and basically the entire community where uh, where we lived would come to my grandparents' house to watch it. It was, a, it was actually an event. You know, I, I remember Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving being more about Starcade than about Thanksgiving. So, wow, super fan. <laughs> Oh yeah, I got into it. I, I wrestled in college, and during my time there at East Georgia College, I actually found out that there was a wrestling show that, that ran nearby. It was just a local independent wrestling show, and I went checked it out, talked to the guys about training, and that's you know that's kind of where I started training. And then the training kind of just progressed from there. Uh, I would say I spent many years training with, with different people and, and under different people as I kind of traveled to, to, you know, traveled to different shows and, and different places. Just out of curiosity, because I grew up in that early WWF 80s and NWA era too, who were some of your favorite National Wrestling Alliance wrestlers back then? Definitely Sting, Legion of Doom. I was a huge Nikita Koloff fan. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, I think Sting and, and Legion of Doom were probably the, the top guys that I remember as a kid that I would watch and, and watch closely, and, and it reflects into you know what you see in my character today. That's awesome. We had Nikita on actually maybe what about a month ago? Yeah, yeah. So that's super cool. He was a great guy. We actually like talking to him a lot. Did you work for a promotion called? I want to make sure I got this right. Me and Joe were talking about Southern Horror Wrestling. Southern Horror. Yeah, is that right? Is that, that was something I saw on Facebook. So that might not be accurate. <laughs> I had it down as um, SFCW. SFCW? Yes. SFCW would be Southern Fried Championship Wrestling. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was an angle I saw. It looked like they were power driving a lady. You were getting beat down. That's why. Oh, okay. It's not Southern Honor. Southern Honor Wrestling. Southern Honor. All right. I'm dyslexic. All right. <laughs> That you know, makes more yeah, sense. I'll tell you, man, Southern Honor is, it's really a show I feel like that Georgia's needed for a long, long time. And they just recently put all of their stuff on independent wrestling TV. But it, it's the production value is out of this world. And, you know, I'm sure if you saw some of the clips, you've seen it. But uh, I would definitely recommend to go and check out some of the shows that they've done and that we've done there. Probably one of my favorite matches that I've ever had was was with them when they first started in 2018. It was me and Austin Theory. And if you guys are familiar with Austin, he's in NXT now. Oh, yeah. Amazing but, talent. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, seriously, and, you know, he and I kind of got close during 2018 and, and before he left. And so that was that was like a huge, huge night for me getting to work with him. And, and it was incredible, especially getting to work there. Like I said, at, at Southern Honor, it's drawing you know, some great crowds. You know, they're drawing between 500, 600 fans every show. And that was unheard of for a long time in Georgia. How did they come up, or how did you come up with, with the name Logan Creed? Because I love the name, but that's also because it kind of reminds me of like Wolverine and Rocky, which was like two of my favorite <laughs> movies. So. <laughs> so. No, you're, 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 right, you're right on track. Okay. You know, I'm a huge comic book guy comic collector, toy collector, and Logan and Sabretooth, Victor Creed and Logan, were my favorite heel babyface combination in comics. I love the constant struggle there between the two, and so I just put them together. And then that's where Logan Creed come from. Awesome. You know what, too? I don't know if anyone's told you this, too. I was looking at it today. I saw older pictures of you in hair and stuff, and I saw you, like, yeah. now. Has anyone told you you look like Luke Gallows, or is that just me? I'm wondering. <laughs> 
<laughs> Every day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and you know, but here's what's fun is, you know, uh, Gallows helped me out a lot. Oh, sure. Um, seven years ago, yeah, because I, you know, I've been wrestling, I've been in professional wrestling since 04. And, you know, I was in and out of it, kind of piddling. Uh, you know, at that time, back then, there wasn't social media like there is now. You know, we were still sending VHS tapes to promotions to try to get booked. So that's that's how long ago we're talking. Mm. And, you know, it, it wasn't as easy as it is now to just kind of network. You know, if you showed up to a show, they may just put you in a match and beat the hell out of you and because nobody knew who you were. Knew who you were. I mean, mm. that's just the way it was then, especially down here. You know, it was, it was a lot different. So I just kind of piddled in it for a long time. I didn't, you know, I really wasn't out there. I mean, those people who have seen my stuff now or know me now, they don't think I've always, they think I've been wrestling for, you know, four or five years. Mm. They don't realize that I've been around that long. And, you know, like seven years ago when he, he had just come out of the WWE the first time. So it may have been even longer than that. I met him at a show. He saw me and we, we, started talking and he just he kind of took an interest in me and he started helping me network and helping me get out of the state and so I owed him a lot early on as far as when I really started getting the ball rolling and getting my name out there oh, that's awesome man now I, I wasn't even thinking about this but we're talking about Luke have you been out of state like to Mexico Japan or any place yet I have been to Mexico once last year we went down and did a show Bill Barron if you're familiar with the name mm-hmm he did a show for a resort in Cabo, Mexico. They kind of, they wanted a wrestling show and, and reached out to him and he brought us in for that. I haven't done anything with the crash or AAA yet. I'm assuming that's going to happen sooner than later now that I'm with MLW and the relationship they have with AAA. That's awesome. I, actually, that was one thing I definitely wanted to ask you because we're big MLW. Actually, our favorite promotions right now, I mean, we watch obviously the Wednesday Night Wars. I want to call that. I, I feel like an ass calling that. Never mind. But <laughs> but besides NXT and AEW, like some of the favorite stuff we like to watch as fans, like on this show, is MLW and NWA. Like those are like our two favorite promotions we follow right now. Right. I really, man, like, when I first saw you in the Battle Royal as a fan, you know, and, like, when they brought you on as the, the Dynasty, and I'm like, okay, we'll see where this going, you know, heavy hitter. But, like, the little segment you did with Mance, where, you know, you called MJF an asshole and the beer, and then as the look with Logan Creed this week and uh, the match you had, I was like, okay, I'm really interested in this guy now. I want to see where he's going and what he's doing. And it's really funny to hear you've been in the business that long. It makes a lot more sense now, too, because I thought, okay, this guy looks a lot more polished than I thought, too. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's, like I said, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, people don't realize. It. And it's just because I wasn't out there, you know, I didn't really have a following. And I blame myself as, as much as anything because you have to put in the work to do that. You know, once, once it clicked and once I realized what I had to do to do that, then everything kind of started falling into place. And, you know, I put in the work in myself, in my body, and the way I looked. And, you know, if you look at older pictures, you can even see from five years ago the difference. And from when, you know, like you said, when I had hair to now, it's a completely different person. Oh, yeah. And, and it's just because I just I made that commitment, you know, and it is a commitment. It's a, it's a choice that you have to make and commit to in life all the way around. It's not just, you know, half you have to get to the full time. And once I did that, obviously, we see where it's led me. What in particular, do you know what puts you on MLW's radar? Or how that happened? I sent in, I guess, right at the end of 
2018, 2019, I kind of started swimming out at resumes that, you know, I kind of had a nice one build. I had enough matches that I could, that I felt like were good enough to put out there to some of these bigger promotions. And I started sending stuff out. I was working for WWN in 2018, the beginning of 2019. I started working with FIP. And, you know, and in my mind, I thought Evolve was going to be the, you know, the path. And, and that was kind of what I had my I said on MLW, you know, once I sent in a resume, I didn't really think about it. You know, and not that it wasn't there, it's just, it wasn't what I was focused on because I was already on the path to evolve. I'm assuming that's what did. I know George Carroll Jr. reached out to me initially, and I know that he does a lot of talent scouting for them, especially in the Southeast. So I do know that he had a part in it. I do that Ron Neeney, who's a guy from, a promoter from Florida, he was kind of pushing my name to people within the company. So I think it's, it's all of that kind of combined together is what made them reach out to me. You've obviously been there, I mean, not for too long, but is there anybody that really stuck out to you so far in terms of working, whether it's in the ring or backstage? You know, I'm not just saying this as a company guy because it's a company guy answer, but, you know, Court has been super easy to work with. He is, he's very invested and not just one talent, but all the talent. Yeah, he, he's super invested in everything that's going on, and he's got his hands on everything that's going on. He's very aware, you know, of what's happening. And the guys in the locker room, you know, everybody is is there to work. You know, there's not really egos. There's not really you know, anyone that's that is hard to work with. It, I feel like everybody's motivated to achieve something, and I think it reflects in what's happening in, in a very short amount of time for the government. Yeah, they have a really good blend of talent. I think that, and that's that's one of the things I love the most is the difference in in what you're getting. You know, everybody brings something different to the table. Absolutely, you have guys like with legit shooting backgrounds. You have second generation, third generation wrestlers, and just brawlers and luchadors. It really is quite a fusion of talent, like it says. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and not only just talent, but personalities and and the things that they can do. You know. In the backstage segment, I mean, you know, Hammerstone and, and Holiday and MJF, like the, the stuff that they do in with Dynasty is amazing. It's great TV. Oh yeah, to sit and watch it, it's phenomenal. And and that's one of the things I love the most is the storytelling that they're doing. Hundred percent, and then too, like I mean, even Hammerstone. Like I'm glad you brought him up. But it was something me and Joe talked about. We had Richard Holiday on here once, and we were talking about how when I first saw Hammerstone, like he was kind of the muscle of the group, and you had MJF at the time. And I thought, uh, Hammer's not really going to probably fit in to this, but I like his role. But then it, he like added layers to his character as it went on. Like he became comedic too, and he's like just awesome all around in that group. Absolutely, yeah, and that's that's what it's all about is is building on what you're already doing. And I think that's one of the really great things about the, the office in MLW is that there's, it's a combination of, hey, what do you think about your you know, your persona and, the, and this personality? And then here's what we see from the outside. And it really helps you grow you know, as a talent because you don't always see it how the world sees it. You, know, you, you have a vision of how you think it should be, but you know the people on the outside looking they see it a completely different way. And when you're able to hear that and, and kind of combine it all together, you really start adding, like you said, layers to what you're doing. 
Absolutely. Any particular good friends in the business, like you would say? I'm sure you have a bunch, but people that really helped you out or you really had a bond with. I think Gallows, like we talked about. Yep. Michael Stevens, who is a he's a talent here in Georgia, phenomenal talent, does not get the recognition he deserves. But uh, early on, he was super helpful. When at a time when if he hadn't have been around, I probably wouldn't be here because I was just you know I wanted to wrestle, but I didn't really want to wrestle, and, and he was. He stayed on me about the fact that I had a lot of potential. And then definitely Austin Theory. Like I said, he and I got really close. And he, when I was around him and our time that I, you know, we spent together traveling, he was the guy that made me realize that when you surround yourself with people that are going to be successful, you succeed. You know, he just, he, he had that aura about him. He had that energy. And you didn't really have a choice. You could either, you either attach yourself to it or you couldn't deal with it and you had to get away from it. That's awesome, man. How about this then? Any goals you got for this coming year? You know, this year I just I really want to you know see what's happening already continue to grow, and and that's just bring attention to me on a larger scale and, and really get my name out there, and you know just do my part in helping MLW succeed as a company. You know, I think it's going to continue to grow. I think there's a lot of things happening right now that aren't known yet that's going to make it even bigger. I just want to. I want to continue to grow as a talent. You know, I think. I think uh, I'm. I haven't reached even half of my potential yet. So I'm excited to see where I go. Yeah, we are too, man, and we mean that. Is there uh, before we wrap up? Is there anything you want to promote? Twitter, uh, upcoming dates. You uh, just go for it. Please give me a follow. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at the Logan Green. Upcoming dates. I will be. I will be MLW in Chicago in March. Actually, April. I'm sorry. There'll be a triple A in March. You can follow me. I post everything that I'm doing and everywhere I'm at. Most of the shows that I do, you can check out on Independent Wrestling TV, our hotspot, our fight. So I appreciate the support. All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure getting to uh, interview you. We really enjoyed your work on NLW so far, and uh, we look forward to seeing more of you this year, man. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, guys. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, mate, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Aloha, everybody. We're the Von Erichs. I'm Marshall Von Erich. I'm Ross Von Erich. And you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast.
All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast. It's your fan, Dave. Here today, I got a couple good ones on. They are third-generation wrestlers. They are the grandsons of the legendary Fritz Von Erich and the sons of the legendary Kevin Von Erich. They are also the MLW World Tag Team Champions. Ross and Marshall Von Erich, guys, how you doing? Oh, good. What an intro, man. I'm, I'm pumped now. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, we're happy to be on the show. Awesome, man. Awesome. So I want to start off in the beginning. When you guys were growing up, how long before you knew, like, what a big deal your family was in Texas? And, you know, going in school, too, was there ever any, like, jealousy from other people? Or was everybody good to you? Like, how was that growing up, being a Von Eric? You know, some of my earliest memories, this is Ross, by the way, some of my earliest memories of going to the shows with my with my dad, you know, my, I'd be with my mom in the in the stands or whatever, behind the, you know, in the back, and then I just, you know, I remember leaving shows, and then fans, you know, crowding the cars, we'd leave, but it was just normal, you know, I never had anything to really compare it to, and then, um, and then I went to the same school as my, my Uncle Carrie, my dad, my uncle, all my uncles, and I had the same, you know, third grade teeth, you know, so small, small town kind of thing, and, you know, and it kind of goes both ways, you know, like everybody kind of, everybody knows, you know, the name Atkinson, there's, you know, affiliated with Von Eric. And, you know, it, so sometimes, you know, you'll get a ton of favor, you know, and they'll treat you great. And other times, you know, they treat you like, you know, you don't exist or, you know, you're, you're annoying or whatever. Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons. It, it's, yeah, sometimes that if, if the teachers, well, we, we it kind of trained us as adults. To, to try to come off as non-intimidating as possible because, you know, sometimes if people thought we were going to be entitled or snobby when they first met us, because we're both pretty quiet, and so sometimes I can come off as snobby, and, and so we, we would we, we'd try our best not to, but, yeah, the good old yes ma'am, no, or, and yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir, that, that, that goes a long way. Kill them with <laughs> kindness, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> You guys broke in. I saw that you were uh, you trained with your dad, obviously, but you also trained with Harley Race. Is that a fact? That's right. That's right. 2012 is uh, when our when everything started for us. Uh, Harley Race had a wrestling academy, and uh, we were both playing football. Um, you know, wrestling was always a, a dream of ours, especially younger, because of course we just wanted to be like our dad. Our dad is just a, a great father, a great role model. And, yeah, we grew up watching you know the old world class tapes and stuff, and we'd be wrestling each other the whole time we we're watching. You know, jumping all over the bed. It, it didn't matter where we were. We'd be Walmart, Home Depot, <laughs> or wrestling in line and. And so it was just kind of what we were so used to. And then um, actually have the opportunity to go and, and uh, go to a school and really see what we're made of and, and, and compare yourself to other guys that have been doing this a long time. It was, it was just, it was really, really awesome. So we went to the Harley Race uh, camp and that's when uh, we got invited to Pro Wrestling Noah. There, it was uh, some two, uh, two, two scouts were there and they brought us to Pro Wrestling Noah or invited us after and so we didn't really know what we were in for, but I think now, personally, knows that one of the best things we could have done for our career. My dad, but my dad, it was his way of you know putting us in the fire, and you know it was we definitely didn't have anything handed to us over there. It was you know we we started off our first three months with just bumps, and, and it was all about learning to respect the business, and um, it gave it just gave us a whole new perspective of wrestling, and it was great for us. In your guys' time in Japan, did you find that to be a more uh, physical style as well? Oh, most definitely, yeah, most, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Japan. You know, it's the you know any preconceived notions we you know we thought we had about you know wrestling. You know, because we're both you know athletes trying you know looking to go to you know further our careers and high school, college athletics, and so any preconceived notions we had about it being like 
pokey or whatever, you know, American style, whatever. It totally changed in Japan, you know, with the hard hitting and you know, everyone wearing mouthpieces. And our our, our our first day there, we went to a show at Kurokin Hall to, to kind of watch the product. And we were watching these guys put mouthpieces in, right? What is that all about? Yeah. And then these guys were just killing each other. I, I, I saw one of the guys lose a tooth and then over an elbow exchange. And mm. we were sitting there after the show, whatever, my dad, and like, did you, did you just see that? And he's like, welcome to Japan. <laughs> so it was... It was just, you know, but it, but it made us closer as brothers. We've always been, we've always been really close, but it definitely made us closer, closer as brothers. We had to have each other's back no matter what. And we just didn't, you know, in Japan, you got to earn everything. And it's, it's just because your name, they'll be harder on you if you're third generation because, you know, they, they, they don't want, they just don't want to, they don't want to take the easy route. And so, you know, I, I, and you know, it's all about respect over there. And I think, out of respect, they were, in a way, they were they were harder on us, you know. We, you know, and it really helped us. Looking back, I'm thankful for, you know, uh, Segura, all the all the guys that were, you know, rough and tough with us, you know. So, you know, now we look back and we're grateful for it, and we feel like we grew a lot from it. Yeah. A question specifically from Marshall: Did you start off barefoot, or was that something you decided you wanted to do to honor your dad? How did that come about, and what was the adjustment like? So, so I've always, um, I've always been. Barefoot, I just, I just hate shoes, and I've definitely picked that up from my dad. And you know, it's less weird living in Hawaii, but going into like uh, not getting looked down upon for having dirty feet. So I'm always, you know, never wearing shoes. But when we went to the Harley Race Academy, my dad was trying to make me buy some wrestling shoes, and I just hated them so much. I was getting blisters, and I was trying to break them in a couple of days before we went. And I got to the school. They said, you know, re- uh, train and whatever you're gonna you're gonna wrestle in. And I, and I told them I wanted to be bare feet, barefoot. And I that was the best decision for me because also it just uh, I like to travel light, and so I can just throw my trunks in my back pocket, and I'm ready. I can take my trade wherever I go. That's awesome. Given you know, obviously the up and downs of the Von Erich legacy and everything that happened. Do you guys feel any pressure right now carrying on the Von Eric legacy? Is that something that, you know, weighs on the back of your mind? Or is that something you guys, you know, you're just doing you right now? How does that work? You know, it's, it's a, I would say it's, it's just all about perspective, how you look at it. And I don't mean to sound preachy, preachy or anything, but, you know, before anything, you know, we're Christians and, our, and we've, we've, we've put our, you know, we've, God has opened this door in wrestling and, and everything that's, that's, that's come about. And so we really haven't tried to force anything to happen. We really just let the doors open. Because any door I've tried to open has, has shut in my face, whether it be football, track and field, whatever it be. And then wrestling is the only door that stayed, stayed open. And that was a dream of mine when I was a kid, but I kind of let it go because I didn't know, you know, that's, that's a big dream. And I don't know, it was just it was just weird how the wrestling door stayed open. But yet, um, at, at first, being young, I could definitely see just how how the wrestling fans looked at my dad in Texas, Israel, and like all these places, how they had such a respect for him and seeing what my grandfather and my uncles did. And so for us as brothers, we go out there, and as soon as the bell rings, we are, we're going to give it everything that we have due to, you know, due to the blood, sweat, and tears of my uncles and our family have done to the name. And so we feel like we wouldn't be doing it justice if we didn't go all out, but I, we don't look at it, at it as really pressure, really, because, you know, God has us here for a reason. And so we're, we, we really are just, we're, we're, we're going through the doors that he, that he opens. But it's been, it's just been a, just a magnificent ride with my brother. We get to travel the world. And it's, you know, to know that, 
you know, the pressure's not on me. When it's over, God, God will close the door, and the door hasn't shut. So we're going to keep, we're going to keep on going. We haven't really, yeah, we haven't really tried to push anything to happen. All this stuff, MLW, all it, it all, it all just came up. We, we we didn't send them any tapes or anything. It was just, you know, one step at a time. And we we definitely went through a stagnant part of. We started doing indie shows in, in the in the mainland, and we didn't want to go to WWE, so we weren't really sure where what we were supposed to do, but, you know, the door didn't shut, and so we just, you know, we were just trying to stay faithful, keep, even if there was, you know, 12 people in the crowd, go out there and wrestle like it's a, it's a main event, you know, wrestle, or just give it all we have, and, you know, and uh, eventually, MLW reached out to us with the perfect, uh, perfect plan for us, the perfect situation, scenario that, that, that we could work with, which was live in Hawaii and, and, you know, and, and wrestled that, uh, be a professional wrestler. And, and a lot of companies wouldn't work with that because, you know, living in Hawaii, it's, it's, it's expensive ticket. It's far away. They want us to move and learning a little bit of what my dad's, my dad's story, you know, family is important. Your family is everything. And that's where, you know, we draw a lot of our strength. And so, especially when my dad's in his latter days, we love spending this time all on the same island. We go to each other's houses every day and, and it's, uh, we're just making the most of it during this time. But, it, it, it's 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 a it really is a it's a it's a beautiful awesome life. I couldn't be happier. I'm glad God shut the doors that He needed to shut because if if it were up to me, I would have been a car salesman or something. I don't know. I don't know something else. Well, I'm glad you guys are doing what you're doing. Now, one thing else I want to ask you about before I get into MLW is well, two things. One, you got to wrestle with your dad in Israel. I see, which I'm assuming was a really big deal. I want to hear a little bit about that, but also Israel because. For whatever reason, the Von Erics have been hugely over in Israel. Little insight into that, and then what was it like teaming up with your dad? Yeah, so so in the eighties, they the Israel only had they had one TV station that that that, that would play, and so and and World Class was on it, and you know, and there, so you know, every day during it would come on like right at their it was like their Shabbat every on every Saturday at seven o'clock is like when they were allowed to like watch TV and relax again or whatever and stuff. And so, and they had just had that one channel. So I think it's the only time in history that this is what I heard from some Israelis over there. The only time in history that any, anything has ever had a hundred percent ratings, you know? And so wow. it was like, it, it was a, a part of, you know, so many people's, you know, lives growing up a part of, yeah, yeah. You know, after Shabbat, we watched the Von Erich, you know, it's just like, it was like almost tradition, you know, it was mm. for, for that, you know, that, for that little period of time. And it just, and they, those people carried it with them. And so, you know, now here we are today, you know, and still have a great relationship. And my dad and all of us were lucky enough to get, and, and you know, somebody came up with the idea to, you know, one more match for my dad in, in Israel. And, and, you know, my, my dad my dad didn't have any plans to have a retirement match. He, he, ne- he never did, but he said if he ever did it, it would be, you know, either Dallas or, or Israel. And, uh, you know, and my, and my dad didn't know the magnitude of Israel until, yeah, in the 80s he went. He went down there, and uh, and he, 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 they just heard they had great TV ratings. And so my dad, you know, was like, what? The real Israel? They, they, they're on Eric's fans? Are you serious? And we've always been fans of Israel. And he said that he got there, and there was just the the one time that he, that he's gotten weak in his knees from the sea of people. And he said that it was the biggest crowd he's ever seen. And he got out of the plane, and the guards were saying, this is for you. They're, they're, they're here because of you. And my dad couldn't believe it. And they told him, don't look up. Don't make eye contact. Because they don't want to make any, you know, they don't want to have an uproar in the crowd. If, if, if he gets the crowd hot, then there's because there's, there's barricades up. And so as he's walking through the barricades, he waved at, uh, waved at like a lady that was, that was yelling for him. And he said, as soon as he waved, 
the barricade started shaking and, and moving, and he said the ground rumbled. Uh-huh. And so the, 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 guard, the guards picked him up over his shoulder. He thought he was in trouble, and they ran him to the police station. And uh, he said, oh, they, they sat there and watched world-class tapes for about three or four hours until the crowd died, uh, crowd died down. And that's when he knew that, that there was just, there was something big going on, something special going on in Israel. And it, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was just unreal. And the fact that we got to go there with my dad and have his retirement match, it was just so many bucket list dream come true at one time. It was, it was unreal. It really was unreal. To see. I got to sit in there. It was, a, you know, the first time in a long time that three Von Erics were in the same ring. And sitting there learning with my dad, it was like a training session. We got to, we were sitting there talking about moves. My dad was like, hey, well, what should I do here? And he'd get tag him until we'd tag him in. And yeah, yeah. I remember we'd literally be in the corner, you know, and he he's, you know, giving us advice and, and uh, you know, saying, telling me what I should do next time I'm tagged in and, you know, tag me, that kind of stuff. And I was, I was just, and I was just kind of stepping back. I'm like, I'm going to look back one day and just think this is really surreal. There was a one moment in the match where I'm like, this is just a really surreal moment right now. And it was the first time our nieces and nephews ever watched us wrestle live. We brought the entire family. All 20 of us were there. And so our nieces and nephews, my brother-in-laws, my sisters, everybody was there to, to see it. And it was just, you know, it was like time stood still. I look over to the left, and my family's in the front row. And I look to my right, and my dad sit on the apron with me. It was just, it was just, I, I couldn't describe it. But there was definitely a lot of... There was a lot of speed bumps in the road. My dad had the flu the day of the show. We all had a stomach virus on the plane. It was it was it was definitely a test. But it, I don't know, as soon as that bell rang, rang, my dad just my dad like I was saying, he's a good role model. He he just he like nipped up. He's like, all right, boys, let's go. And it, and that stranglehold came on, and the place roared. It was just it was just so 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 cool. That's awesome. I'm glad I asked you guys that. That's a great story too with your dad in Israel too. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, I saw the dark side of the ring documentary last year and, you know, the ending with you guys all hanging out with your dad. I remember thinking personally, I was like, I really love to see these kids get a shot in wrestling. And then I saw MLW because I've been following them for a while announced that you'd be coming. And I was like, all right. But man, to me as a fan that watches that product, I don't think they could handle you guys any better. What has it been like working from MLW, and who are some of the people helping you out behind the scenes? You know, you know, we always knew that the, the perfect thing would, would uh, we would know it was the perfect thing when we're able to, to stay here in Hawaii, you know, with our family and stuff, and then, and you know, have a promotion, you know, work with us and, you know, fly us out and do all that kind of stuff. And MLW was, you know, you know, we got an offers, you know, to, to move and, you know, work with other, you know, pretty big companies, you know. And we feel like this is MLW came in at just like the, the, the perfect time. Court Bauer, that guy, that, that's he's, he's he's one of he's one of my my favorite guys to work for. He came and he he saw something in us that we didn't really see in ourselves yet. We were just going through the doors that opened, and Court he 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 said that you know he he said that he he just he believed in us, and then when he brought us in. I don't know. It was like he like knew what was going to happen before it happened. He he like he'd like see the future or something. That's what it felt like because he was telling us how big it was going to be, and and he was right. It was just getting bigger and bigger, and it was just uh, him bringing in at that timing right after the the right after the Vice thing. He was uh, he was talking to us before the Vice thing aired and before we even talked to Vice, and so it was. But it was just perfect timing because we finally came up with an agreement of you know staying in Hawaii and. And, and working with them, and then the Vice thing came out right before our debut, and so that timing of that was just unreal, but we really could not not be happier with the promotion we're at, and the guys in the locker room, 
we got like a brotherhood in the locker room. These guys, everybody really does love each other. It really is like a, it really is like a family. I'm sure people, everybody's pulling for each other. Everybody wants MLW to look good and, and, and do well. And, and there's, there's guys like low key, low key. We've been getting advice from him for, you know, for years in Japan. You know, we used to sit down with him, uh, sit down, have coffee with him and just, just, yeah, just pick his brain. Cause he's one of our favorite wrestlers, uh, when we started going to Japan. And it was just cool to see, you know, an, an American fight with the same ruthless mentality as the Japanese. And, you know, you see a lot of the Americans kind of lighten up on the Japanese and low key would just give it to them. And, and that's what we like respected and that's what we wanted to do. And, and so, so to, to, to be able to be in the locker room with low key and was just like unreal for us. And, you know, there's, we just, we've made good bro- like brotherhoods with a lot of the guys, Harry Smith, uh, Brian Tillman Jr. is one of our, one of our good buddies now. Uh, Douglas James. There's so many guys in the in the locker room that you know that it's it's just been it's been surreal. And then we we've also we were also good buddies with Tom Lawler before all this. We trained together and we pick his brain. He gives us a, a he was giving us a good perspective of, of just the fighting world and to bring that into wrestling. And that's what we wanted. We wanted to we wanted we want our 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 style to be. It's unusual, like a bar fight, like a bar fight. Really, that's what we're going for. And and and, and these guys just these guys are just awesome to, to just to pick their brains and, and work with. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I like too is the music they have you come out to. It's very reminiscent of Stranglehold. And yeah, yeah, we love that. Yeah, we're stoked for that. Yeah, it's awesome. And then, like, you know, like, the way you guys debuted and, uh, you know, fighting with Contra and there's these brawls. Like you said, it looked like a bar fight. I remember the first time um, you guys were in there with Contra, and I just saw this wild fight happen. And I'm like, well, I texted a buddy of mine. I was like, this is the damnedest thing I've seen in a while. You have to watch this. But, uh... Yeah, it was definitely unique. Like, like after the match, I remember thinking, like, did that go, like, really well or did it go terrible? Like, we would, we didn't know. <laughs> we had no kind of feeling of how, how, how it went, you know, but we got in the back and, you know, court was like, you know, welcome to MLW, you know, he was, he was happy with it, you know, I'm like, okay, good, he's happy, we're happy, you know, but yeah, it was, it was a def- definitely a weird, a weird match, I feel like, for a lot of the fans. Well, one thing I really liked was the placement, first ever pay-per-view, you guys are going against the Dynasty, you guys are like modern, just classic, old school style baby faces, real easy to get behind, and then the Dynasty... Just absolute shit heels. <laughs> Nothing really believable <laughs> about them. Yeah. And so it's just great. It kind of reminds me of um, the old school Von Eric Freebirds. And I remember your dad saying, this isn't uh, Texas versus Georgia. This is decency versus filth. And that's kind of what I thought yeah. with you guys versus the dynasty. And I think it says a lot. <laughs> the court, I believed in you guys to put you on the very first match of the very first pay-per-view and you get the straps. What was that all like? Oh, man. That, that was like a milestone in our careers. You know, I mean, as soon as we, we started talking, yeah, and it was in Chicago, a place that, you know, we've always dreamed about wrestling in, you know. But uh, but before that, I remember going and just being like, or when we first, MLW first reached out to us, we were thinking, you know, one day what a dream it would be to actually get the tag straps, you know, and it, and it you know, came way sooner than we thought, and we were just way sooner. Yeah, and, you know, we felt a little, you know, unprepared or whatever, but. But I just remember the feeling of just total accomplishment and just being so. That was one of the high points of our career, definitely. And, and when uh, being in Chicago, not knowing if people were going to know our name or know who we are, that that was, you know, that, that having that question mark. But I just know that, you know, nobody, you know, nobody can deny or, or you can't get behind a guy that will 
did and all that he has. And so when we got in there and to hear the Chicago fans behind us, it was just like we looked at each other and it was this confirmation. All right, let's fight. It was it was it was just an amazing feeling. And yeah, to 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 win the belt after that was you know that whole night we were just sitting there. We just look at each other and start start laughing. We just couldn't believe it. Like man, this is this is insane, you know. And and with, still like it's, it's as long as this. Uh, I know we're in this quarantine and this COVID nineteen stuff's going on right now. And uh, but the the longer we're in quarantine, I'm I'm we haven't got a chance to defend our titles in a while. But it's going to be uh, I'm afraid we're going to be the longest reigning tag team champions uh, without having to defend our titles. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you guys mentioned Chicago too because um, I've never been there. But I will say, as an old-school wrestling fan, that is an arena whenever WCW or even WWE or ECW went through. I'm like, man, that is just a wild, raucous crowd. They love their wrestling out there. Yeah. Yeah, it was it, – they, really, they, they just appreciate the, the, the art of wrestling. And, you know, it's, it was – it was it was just so so awesome, and it's, I can't say I can't say enough about Court Bauer. He really to us, you know, we feel like he's like the modern day Paul Heyman. You, you know, he ECW was full of you know misfits. They had a, a, a just problem child, you know, uh, the men in the locker room, and that's kind of what you have at MLW. Guys that have been you know, kicked out of the locker room for fighting. It's just you know it, it's 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 uh, you know it's it, it's weird how. You, we, we, they, it was you put it all together, and you got this like uh, this family, and, and and you know, and, and Court Court Bowers, you know, is, is definitely just a great leader, a great guy to get behind, and he, he he gives us before before most of the shows, he'll give us a speech and just pump all of us up. We're ready to we'll run to a brick wall for this guy, you know, and and, and so it, it definitely gets everybody ready to go after right right before the show. Now, one more question about MLW Dallas, Texas. Uh, intimidation games. What was that like coming back home? I mean, you definitely seemed like you got so, quite the response. For, well, for us, that 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 was that meant so much to us because you know it, it was about um, about seven years ago. We were uh, where you know we, we were being we were young boys in Japan and 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 doing the Japan thing, and then uh, we we came to the uh, the mainland. It was one of our one of our first shows in Texas, and. And we were in this little country town in the middle of nowhere. It was Burleson, Texas, uh, or right, like north of Burleson. And it was just a small country town. And uh, they had a sign for our main event tonight, the Von Erichs. And we were sitting there looking at that sign. And like, man, these people are coming to see us for the main event of this town tonight. And it wasn't a huge crowd, but that right there changed a lot of things for us. And it made us, you know, like, it, it was, you know, maybe that there's someone else behind all this. And it's, it's not just us. And, and, and that was really... That was a really heavy moment for, for both of us being the main event. So for MLW to go to Dallas, it was you know it was our first time in Dallas, and 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 to to be Von Erichs and see that the MLW believes in us believes believes in us enough to do a show in Dallas was just it was you know it was unreal. Yeah, and you and, and you and you talk about pressure. You know the, the the greatest amount of pressure is not from people say oh you you know you're, you can't accomplish this or you'll never never be able to do that. It's when people believe in you, you know, and, and especially you're going back to Dallas, you know, and they put you in, you know, a main event kind of style match, and you're, you're like, that, that is that is the greatest amount of pressure to us, you know, so for, as far as our career in MLW, that was our, our biggest uh, feat. I, 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 it's, easier, it's easier to have the mindset to want to prove people wrong, but when people believe in you, and you want to prove them right, that, 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 that can be a lot of pressure, too, and so... Mm-hmm. That Dallas, that Dallas show was, you know, everybody was pulling for us, and it, 
And, you know, it was it was definitely a, he- a heavy night for both of us. But when, when that bell rang, it, just, it was, it, I don't know, I know it's, it's cheesy as it sounds. I really felt like all my uncles, my grandfather, everybody was watching it. And it, 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 was just, it just made me so proud to be a Von Eric. You guys seem like you, uh, like a lot of performers, feed off the crowd. Have you seen any of these uh, empty arena matches? And how challenging, if you haven't been in one, do you imagine it is to work without fans? Well, we worked some indie shows that were that, that, okay. were, that, were, that were almost like yeah, that. Yeah. Borderline, yeah. <laughs> borderline. <laughs> you know, but uh, definitely the crowd helps so much. And, and um, you know, I think there's definitely pros and cons from it. Some guys, um, just from what I've seen, will still act like there's a crowd there when they fire up and things like that. But, you know, if there's not a crowd there, I think that we, we as all, all of us as wrestling fans, can really appreciate the art of wrestling. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I, I don't think there needs to be as much showboating or anything. I think it's more, you know, this is just a, a fight, you know, in a, 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 a classic wrestling match. And so I, I, I'm, I've, I've enjoyed watching it just because, you know, it's, it's, it's just the, it's the, it's the, it's, the, it's unique. It's different. It's, the, it's just the classic art of wrestling. But the crowd, it definitely has a major factor in it for, I'd say for everybody, because it's, it's you know if you if you have a new move you want to try or something or you just take that chance and you scream and give that give a lariat and the crowd's behind you it really is it it's, it makes you it makes you want to do more and and you know want to give the people more and I, I definitely I I couldn't appreciate the the fans the MLW and just the, our fans the V Nation that that the support they give us it really is it's it's just that, that having people believe in you. It, Place you want to prove them right, everybody. What are you guys up to right now during this quarantine? Anything going on? Are you working on anything? Or so we've been we've been farming. We've been we've been on the the Varnett Ranch. Uh, we it's, it's about thirty seven acres, and it, it, there's we're, we're 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 all spread out. It's like a, a compound, and so we get to be in quarantine all together. So so that's been kind of nice. And we got a we got a waterfall that um, we go to as a family. We'll jump in and spend time together, and it's definitely been. You know, my nieces and nephews are growing up, and they've been going to school, and so it's it, it I'm, it's kind of like time standing still for a little bit. I get to I get to rekindle relationships with my nephews and nieces. I just had a son, and I'm getting to spend all this time with them. So I really am nothing but grateful, and it really it's been one of the best things that's happened for our family. But my heart goes out to everybody that's you know lost family members and, and that that are taking this hard, and and it's, it's definitely not it's definitely a serious it definitely is a serious serious matter, but. As far as the quarantine goes, what we really we've been we're trying to make the most of it, and you know, but we do miss wrestling. I can't wait to get back in that ring. It's, it's all I think about, all I dream about. Absolutely, man. And I mean, I can I can relate. You know, like we got it pretty rough over here, but I'm in a pretty good area. But I'm still working. Business is good, and podcast is going great. So I mean, you can take some negatives and you can turn them into positives. Yeah, at times you know. See, that's all, and it's it's rare to talk to a guy like you that that has a good perspective. That that, that really is that's a, that's refreshing for us to hear. It, yeah, it, that, that's so key. Man. That that is that is key. And it, you know, if you're happy, you're not working a day in your life. You know, and that that's 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 really how it is. I mean, you we we wasted a lot of our career. Uh, dreading and being nervous and scared before before matches, not being able to eat the night before, and you know, it, wasting those days that we could have sat there and enjoyed it. And, and so now, so now we, you know, for the past couple of years, we really have just take it moment by, by by moment by moment, hold each other accountable about staying positive and being grateful 
that you know this is this is a door God opened, not us. And so we we really are. We we, we try to just constantly keep each other up and encourage. And you know we have meet and greets that you know these people paid to come see us. They drove four or five, flew five hours to come see us sometimes. And so. You know, we had a match in Israel. People flew from Ireland. Uh, someone from Texas came. It was just like it was unreal. The, 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 the you know the the globe. People traveled the globe to come see us, and it, it's just it's just one big it's one big blessing. This whole this whole thing for us. It's been just nothing but fun. I'm sure it can be very overwhelming at times too. I imagine. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it, it can. Sometimes you just gotta sit back and. You know, just look at all this, and it's you know, because you know, we're we're humans, so we're day by day, and circumstances can cha- can shake us, and and it'd be scary and stuff. But if you if you look at your life like a big highlight video, you know, it, it's you you see all you see all the good, and you know, um, I really am happy. My my dad, my dad definitely had a had a nuts life, and you know, losing his brothers, and I, I only have one, but the, the one brother that I have, we're, we're you know, we're extremely close. We're, we're you know, we, we, we know the other one's going to say before we say it. We know, and my dad had that with, you know, five, five other men. Five other men were just like him. Now my dad, you know, he kind of sticks out. He's different, but he had five other guys that were just like him. And to lose that, it must have been a really heavy burden to, to bear. And so my, and so being able to wrestle and come home and have these road stories and my dad relate, it's like he has his brothers back. And so we've gotten even closer as a family through all of this, you know, and it, it's, especially Japan, coming back from Japan, and, you know, my dad, my dad, you know, he said that he, we left as boys, and we came back as men, and it, it really, it really was like that, we were like, mm. uh, we were like brother lions, it was just, just us versus the world, that's what it felt like when we were in Japan, because everybody wanted to test you, everybody wanted to see what you're made of, and so we just had to, we had to fight our way out, but man, we used to do, we would, we do it all over again. More, uh, more Morishima, Ogawa-san, Kobashi-san, all these men sat there. And, uh, Goshizaki, Kataro, Aoki, you know, all these guys. They taught us so much, and and you know, they taught us the the, the hard way. And, and now I'm nothing but grateful. Before we wrap up, are there any goals you want to get out there for 2020, and uh, anything you want to promote? Uh, man, also, yeah, we, we we have Twitter. We book out our Twitter. I'm Marshall Von Eric. Um, on Twitter and then Ross Von Eric on Twitter and we share an Instagram uh, Ram Von Eric and that's Ross and Marshall that's what it stands for but uh, you know as far as the goals go we're, we're, we're just continuing to you know to just go through the doors that open I know I keep saying that but that, that's really that, that's really what, what uh, taking it by moment taking life lightly but you know uh, I don't know I, I still want to be an astronaut I don't, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon but that's definitely a goal Wow, man, I, I I love to hear that. That's awesome. Have yeah, outside the box, yeah. yeah. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. This was a real treat for me. <laughs> I do this with two other buddies. We're all kind of like we're quarantined now a little bit, so we're sending stuff in, and uh, they are definitely jealous that I got this interview. So, uh, oh man, <laughs> man, we really do appreciate it. And it really was refreshing to, to hear your perspective on this. Uh, it just just you know, just it's being. Being positive during this time, you know, it's scary for a lot of people, but to, to you know, to have a joyful conversation in a time like this yeah. is refreshing. I really appreciate that, man. No, absolutely, and yeah, for me personally, like, I mean, like, 
I always had like a, I always worked out, but I had a bit of a sweet tooth. And in this time, I've uh, cut out the sweets. I've up my, I've been better oh, diet. It's kind of like I'm home. I'm like, why don't I make some positive changes while I'm here? You know, so it's just. Yeah, yeah good job. That's the way to be, man. I, I wish I could say the same, but my sweet tooth has kicked in and my gym's closed. And so it's been a bit of a. It's been a, it's been a bit of a battle, but that's still refreshing for me to hear. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, have a great night. Thank you so much. Well, it's night over here, but thank you so much for uh, doing this. And maybe we'll get to do this again down the road, man. Hey, brother. Man, it was great talking to you. Appreciate you, bro. God bless. God bless. Have a good night. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 